Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Yeah, I just wanted to start by thanking Wendy and Casey for inviting myself and Robert to um, be here today and spend an hour and a half with you. Uh, Robert is finishing up another meeting, so he'll be here very shortly. And we're looking forward to um, being with you. I think it was about two years ago or so um, when we both actually in person were, were with Long Beach and uh, really enjoyed that occasion and felt quite warm with the Sangha here. So um, I'm happy to be back again. And um, I do have very fond feelings for Long Beach in general. It's someplace I, I like quite a bit. So um, yeah, welcome everyone once again. Um, happy to have everyone here. Really like to be um, kind of uh, state plainly, we're really trying to, Robert and I, make sure everyone knows that they're welcome here, regardless of who they love, regardless of political leanings, regardless of race, ethnicity, um, social economic status. Um, we're both actually actively training in ways to be inclusive and ways to wake up to our own um, biases. And so just want to make that very um, open statement that we, we, we do intend to do that. And then also at the same time, there may be some things that we say that don't necessarily land correctly for people. And um, if that's the case, please feel free to let us know. Um, we're both trying to learn as much as we can and it's helpful to know um, if something we said didn't land right. Um, our intention is to be as skillful as we can as we, as we teach, as we um, share. So um, also everything we suggest or do is voluntary. So you know, be sure to take care of yourselves, modify things or do or don't as you need to do. Um, and also for the meditation today, I'll be doing um, a lightly guided meditation with quite a bit of silence, but if you prefer just to do your own meditation, that's perfectly fine, your own practice. And then uh, the theme for today is cultivating joy and equanimity. And I just see Robert is joining us. So, so yeah, that's, that's the thing, cultivating joy and equanimity. And, it's something that, at least the cultivating joy part, is something I've been working on quite a bit. And it might seem unusual to think about joy when there's so many difficult things going on. Um, but I found it to be a really valuable practice. And uh, so let me, let me just pause here and introduce Robert Lurie, the, our, my co-facilitator. Welcome, Robert. And it's just welcoming everyone. So if you'd like to say a few words. Uh, thank you. Good morning. My pleasure to be here with everyone. Um, and pleasure to be here co-facilitating 
with Elliot. Sorry, I was a couple minutes late. And um, I, I find as well, this idea of cultivating joy and equanimity actually to be a really vital practice. And um, somewhere in my own practice over the last 10 years, this idea of cultivating um, uh, seemed like a really important thing, especially, uh, especially when things feel a little bit down, there's like this negativity bias that to find that all around that there are, there are things that can be grounding. And it's not necessarily to, to dismiss what's happening or to make anything different, but to actually perhaps open my eyes really wide and see, oh, a little uh, changing relationship with what's here, that there includes joy. We maybe have to define joy a little bit more, a little bit later. So thank you, Elliot. Yeah, thank you, Robert. So um, I was just curious uh, if there's anyone here for the first time or new to meditation. Great. And then I just was interested in kind of knowing where everyone is. Um, I'm assuming most people are in Long Beach, but, but maybe not. So if you would like to type into the chat, completely optional, but type where you are and maybe uh, a word or two about your current mood. How are you doing right now? So we'll just take up a, a moment to do that if you care to, and I'll do the same typing into the chat. Los Angeles, Long Beach, feeling good, feeling still and steady. Oh, feeling fresh this morning, Lakewood, Torrance, a little anxiety is here. Durham, North Carolina, welcome. You're trying to find ease in the upcoming week. Lipsville, Montana. Out of sorts, Torrance feeling peaceful, oh, Silver Lake settling and arriving. And I'm in Silver Lake, I'm feeling a bit of nervousness and a bit of excitement. So I love that. So we do have people from all over. And also, as you can see, there's a little bit of everything in terms of how we're doing in the current moment. And that's very typical. And Maybe just notice how things might shift and change through the course of our time together as well. So thanks so much for sharing. And I wanted to go ahead and turn it over to Robert. He's going to lead us in some movement to start. Thank you, Elliot. Um, I did also, for those who just joined us, um, welcome and just to introduce myself that I'm Robert Luria and I do uh, facilitate and teach at Inside LA um, and uh, really happy to be here with everybody um, and with Elliot and wanted to thank Wendy and Casey for inviting us to, to lead this very special Sunday in Long Beach group and also knowing that people are from other parts of the country is wonderful and other parts of Los Angeles and California. Um, so 
everything that we're um, suggesting to do is voluntary, of course, and including what is um, coming up. And if you care to join, if you want to keep your camera on, or if you feel more comfortable to have it off, it's just some stretching to get, um, I shouldn't say just stretching. It's the idea of like simple yoga, uh, yoga being like an, uh, connecting with ourselves and creating a union with our breath and our body. It also has a benefit of getting some stretch and um, can prepare the body for a longer sitting practice, which we're going to um, do also. Seeing some people joining us, welcome, welcome. We're about to do some um, mindful stretching. And so the first one is just, it'll be uh, sitting however you are. I'm sitting on a couch and it uh, can be a nice way to just synchronize the breath with the, um, with the body just by raising the arms overhead and on an in-breath. Nice deep long breath. And then on the out breath, slowly and very consciously, the idea of not being on autopilot, the opposite, being aware. And doing this a few more times on your own, just breathing in, finding your own. Nice, can be a long in breath, a long out breath. And then coming back to um, just a neutral seated position, however you're seated or standing, whatever your posture is. Inviting you to feel into what's here. If you care to close your eyes, connecting with the breath and the posture, connecting with however your feet or your seated area are connected with a cushion or floor. Expanding awareness to the whole body, breathing. And we can continue with um, some gentle side bends. So on an in-breath, bringing the arms overhead and just bending very gently, not going beyond your limit. And for those who join late, this is all voluntary if you choose to, or just to sit and relax. Going the other direction, Sometimes it can be helpful to just hold the thumbs, hold each other. Breathing with the movement or just breathing naturally and feeling directly. Kind of think of this as befriending yourself. This is a friendly, what's here? And coming back to the neutral seated posture, feeling if there's any Anything that changed, feelings in the body, your mood, thoughts, perhaps thoughts can settle if we connect with the feeling and the movement directly. Let's continue with some gentle shoulder rolls, just bringing the shoulders up. If you want to go back, rolling forward. Again, not going beyond your limit. And breathing naturally with this, connecting with the breath and the movement. If you want to go the other direction, fast or slow, you can choose your own to be more contemplative. In any event, discerning, discerning what's here. 
I'm ready coming back to the seated posture and inviting you to do a few neck rolls. And this one, being really careful, if you have any problems with your neck, you might want to pass, but bringing the chin to the chest and very gently allowing the, the head to go to one side, either side is fine, and not going really far back at all, almost none at all, and then returning the head to the other side. Again, inviting you to see this as befriending and exploring what's here. Getting really curious. And at any time, if you wanna go the other direction, to directly experience the feelings of the motion, the stretching, breathing, and even the rest of the body at rest and stillness at the same time. Whenever you're, you're ready to come back to the neutral seated posture. And depending how you're seated, this is the next is an invitation for like just a gentle side twist. It could just be moving your torso and your head gently in one direction. If you care to hold the bottom of your seat, if you have one, that can be a way to just have a little support. But turning to one side and breathing, holding and breathing naturally. Taking a few breaths, feeling the twist, the change of shape. And then very gently coming back to the center and then to the other side, twisting. Feeling gentle twist without going beyond your limit. But also exploring boundaries and coming back to the center whenever you're ready. Take care to close your eyes and take a few natural breaths and notice how you feel now. It's here. And scanning from the feet, the legs, the seated area, the belly, the chest, shoulder blades, the shoulders and the arms, the hands. And back up to the shoulders and the neck, jaw, face, full head. Notice if there's any tension in the face, and the eyebrows. You can release the jaw. And scanning down shoulders, back to the feet. Notice if you're holding any tension.
breathe into this in a manner that with each breath, we can possibly let go just a little bit more. And then the final stretch or seated yoga is a, is a shoulder shrug. This is like a metaphor for holding on to something. This idea of what does it feel like? The contrast between holding on and being contracted, like an angst kind of, or holding on to anything. And then the contrast, what does it feel like to let go? So inviting you to just shrug your shoulders and really feeling into that contraction with an in-breath and an out-breath. Letting go. Doing a few of these can be done gently or if you like to do it with a big sigh. Trying a few of these on your own. Sometimes it can be like swimming up a stream against a current, feeling this contraction and realizing we have a choice that we can just turn around and go with the flow. (laughs) Just let go sometimes and release. And so on that note, um, I'm going to Pass this off to Elliot to guide us for our sitting practice. Thank you for that movement, Robert. Really helped to settle me and connect me with my body. I'm noticing a shift in the nervousness I was feeling at the start. It feels like it has diminished a bit. And so we'll be moving into our sitting practice and I'll be guiding a mindfulness of breathing practice. Uh, But as I said at the start, if you prefer to do your own practice, please feel free and just allow my words to drop below your awareness. And we'll begin and end the practice with the sound of a bell. inviting you to take a few moments to settle into your meditation posture, assuming a posture that will allow you to feel comfortable and relaxed, as well as allowing you to feel alertness. And so trying to find a balance that works for you between relaxation and alertness in your chosen meditation posture. 
And so taking a few moments to adjust or wiggle or lean slightly forward or backwards, side to side, and then settling into stillness. And if you like, closing your eyes. And just taking a few deeper breaths. Inhaling and exhaling long and slow. Whenever you complete the deeper breaths, just allow the body to breathe in a normal way. However, it's breathing in the moment is just right. For the next few breaths, you might quietly and gently say to yourself, breathing in, I feel calm. Breathing out, I feel ease. Breathing in, I feel calm. Breathing out, I feel ease. And then bringing your attention to the body. Noticing if there's any tension that is there. If so, inviting it to soften, release. Once again, we might scan through the body. Maybe starting at the top of the head, relaxing the scalp, the forehead. Softening the eyes. in the cheeks, 
noticing the jaw. If there's tension there, you might try opening the mouth wide a couple of times. And just allowing the teeth to have a little bit of separation. Relaxing the neck and throat. Allowing the shoulders to fall down and back. Softening the chest. Feeling the belly, if there's holding or bracing there, just inviting it to soften and release. Bringing your attention to the points of connection between your body and the chair or cushion or whatever is supporting you. For me, I can feel pressure where my sits bones are connecting with the seat of the chair. And feel pressure, the points where my feet are being supported by the floor. So just noticing those points of support, those points of connection, feeling what's there. Maybe having a sense of feeling down into the earth below, feeling rooted and grounded.
And then inviting you to explore and find in the body sensations that tell you that you're breathing. So what are the movements, sensations that let you know that your body is breathing? How does the body experience the breath? So however, however you're breathing in this moment, it's just fine. Simply becoming aware of how you experience the breath. Is the in-breath different from the out-breath? Are there different sensations? So holding the breath and awareness, establishing mindfulness and observing the breath. And as other thoughts or sounds arise or anything else that's not the breath, seeing if you can just allow those to be in the background. And coming back or staying with the breath as a home base.
And now, if you like, allowing the breath to fade into the background. And inviting you to bring to mind a moment where you experience joy. So this can be big or small. Maybe just seeing a favorite flower. Hearing a bird sing nearby. Or maybe a child made you laugh. Or a comedy show hit you just the right way. So seeing if it's possible to recall a moment where you experience joy. And if so, just noticing perhaps how that felt in the body. If you're not able to recall something, you might just try bringing a gentle smile to your face. Noticing how that feels in the body. Maybe there's some lightness or expansion or warmth. So just sitting with this image, this moment. And as we're nearing the end of our 
meditation practice together. Maybe there's something from this sitting period that you can use and bring moments of joy to others around you. Maybe today there'll be some opportunity to help someone cultivate joy. So may we all be happy. May we all be healthy. May we all be safe. And may we all be free. together, feeling free to stretch or move as needed. So I wanted to just transition to just a short share that I um, would like to offer. And it's really kind of a, a personal share. Um, and it centers kind of around this idea of joy that we're, that is part of our theme, joy and equanimity actually as well. And um, I believe as you all know, we recently celebrated Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. And something that brings me a lot of joy is knowing that there's a Martin Luther King Memorial in Washington, DC. And um, Washington, DC is one of my favorite cities. And whenever I go, I always make a point to visit. And I was there maybe, um, I guess it was about three years ago now. And it was fairly late at night and I decided to go by myself. I got a taxi, went by myself to the mall and walked to the memorial. And I'm not sure if people have been there at night, but it's really quite dramatic the way it's lit. And I was quite taken just by the lighting and the fact that I was pretty much the only person there. It was a really kind of unusual situation in my experience. And so I had the chance to just soak it in and I walked around. And if you're not familiar with it, there's a whole bunch of quotes that Martin Luther King from his very speeches um, made and they're etched into the stone walls. 
And for me, many of them are quite inspiring. And I just can really remember this sense of kind of internal bubbling and, and joy and inspiration welling up inside me as I walk through them all. And so it's an experience that will always stay with me, I believe. And then um, kind of along those lines, I just wanted to share a few facts, maybe known or maybe unknown by most of you, um, probably known by most of you, but just as I feel it's interesting to share these things that he was uh, born actually Michael Luther King on January 15th, 1929. And he graduated high school pretty early. He graduated at 15. And he earned a BA from Morehouse College in 1948 and a BD in 1951. And he earned a PhD, that's why he's doctor, he earned a PhD in systematic theology from Boston University in 1953. And then in 1963, a year before I was born, he led a 385-day Montgomery, Alabama bus boycott. And that ultimately led to the end of racial segregation on Montgomery, Alabama buses. And then the year I was born in 1964, he won the Nobel Peace Prize at the age of 35. And he was also named Time Man of the Year for leading the civil rights movement. And then between 1965 and 1968, he actually shifted his focus towards economic justice and international peace, including speaking out strongly against the Vietnam War. And his focus on Vietnam was influenced by Thich Nhat Hanh. And as you most likely know, he's one of the world's most foremost mindfulness teachers. And I actually used one of his, um, I'm not sure how, what to call it, one of his sayings, not a saying, but one of his, some of his words in the guided meditation where I mentioned, as you breathe in, breathe in, I breathe in calm, as I breathe out, I breathe out ease. And so Martin Luther King's relationship with Thich Nhat Hanh led him to nominate um, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh for the Nobel Peace Prize. And then, unfortunately, in 1968, he was assassinated. And he was awarded posthumously the Presidential Medal of Freedom and also the Congressional Gold Medal. And um, just, uh, I um, feel really, I feel, Not sure what I feel about this, but I, I, I made the connection actually pretty recently that my father and Martin Luther King were both awarded the Congressional Gold Medal. I guess that makes me feel very proud of my dad. Um, my dad was a Montfort Point Marine, which was a, a black Marine, a, a troop of black Marines back when the military was still segregated and they were treated really poorly even though they were fighting for their country. And so um, in 2013, after many years of trying to get recognition for them, they were awarded, all of them were awarded the Congressional Gold Medal. 
So just a few things about Martin Luther King, and then this leads to a, a quote, which I'm sure most of you have heard from his I Have a Dream speech. And um, so he dreamed of a nation where his children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And so that kind of leads into this, finally getting to the joy part of this. Um, you know, I've been fairly active in, in trying to participate in all the racial justice movements that's going on in my own way. And one way that I do that is at work, I work at USC in fundraising. And we actually have a employee group that gets together weekly and talks about um, kind of racial justice issues. And what I found from the people who are not people of color, they, they said they were really quite unaware of a lot of the racial justice issues that have come to the foreground over the last uh, several months. And so it gives me quite a bit of joy to know that what was unseen before is now seen um, by many, many people. Um, and I've experienced that directly at work and other locations. So I think that's quite joyful and hopeful for the future from my perspective. And the equanimity side of that is I also have friends, at least one and, and one close friend who doesn't necessarily see things that way. And so, know, I need to have kind of equanimity to know that I can't control things, I can't make people think certain ways. And um, so there's some joy and some equanimity there. And so I think I'll just stop there and turn it over to Robert. Thank you. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you for guiding that practice and your deep sharing. And just want to pause and just take a take a breath together. Just reflecting on some of your words. Um, I have this temptation to respond to your talk instead of continue with the plan of sharing, but I will just disclose what's coming from my heart um, to go off off from my plan is. Um, that um, I f my relationship with Elliot, as just as a disclosure, as a as my partner, um, I feel like is a deep uh, connection to those words from Martin Luther King to to just judge somebody by the, their character, not by the color of their skin, and and um, how love is such a pervasive force. Um, and um, that's that's 
caring for others, which is maybe a lower bar than this idea of love, depending on your definition, but to care for each other um, with equity. Um, so I will share, uh, um, we were really moved and discussed what would we, what would our topic be when we were invited. And it so happened that it was kind of the sandwiching between Martin Luther King Day and Inauguration Day when we um, were invited, maybe last Tuesday or so. So it was like, wow, what a convergence, which serendipity, this idea of, of um, joy and equanimity, uh, certainly just with everything in our lives, not just those two events, but they were profound events. Um, and so I, I was thinking about equanimity and how the Buddhist teaching of equanimity has been such an inspiration to me. There's, um, I have not a really good pronunciation of, of Pali, but it's called the Lokovapati Sutta, The Failings of the World. It's translated by Anisaro Bhikkhu. And it's a really brief and really profound teaching that's really affected the po very positively uh, in all my practice and pretty much every day, formal and informal, this idea of the worldly wins. And I, I remember the first time I heard it, it just seemed like, wow, that is so cool. And the, the cool part is, um, I'll give an abbreviation that there's eight wins, you may know of them in different orders that could be translated slightly differently. Um, but that every one of us will experience gain and loss. So gain is a cool thing, loss is not so nice. There's fame, we might have some sense of fame or, or disgrace. And any of these might be because of our actions or it could be because of bad luck as well or good luck. So we might get, have gain or loss, fame, disgrace, pleasure, pain, praise or blame. And I remember thinking, uh, wow, that is so cool that somebody actually thought about those and how true that seemed. Like, wow, that I could have praise or blame. Like, just to know that those will happen, just to have that, that knowing. Um, and I think that that's one of the key points of, of what I gathered from this, this um, sutta, that um, if we go through life and don't even know that these are gonna come, that we can be consumed by them. If I had something that caused me fame and I became so consumed, it could become big headed and egotistic. Or if there was disgrace, I could be some consumed about how other people think about me, just lost in thought, lost in thought, this idea of being lost in it, not, not knowing. And this idea of being lost or consumed by anything, whether it is, um, my own sense of wanting or aversion, being lost in that. I'm not really present and I am likely suffering in some big way. Uh, and so this idea of just stating them, oh, there are these eight winds that come, they arrive and they will arrive to all of us, I think is the general idea. And so uh, that seemed like a teaching enough, but then the Buddha goes on to say, and then those are, there are those who know these winds will come 
And they kind of know that. So you can kind of work with them. And then there are those who just don't know. And those people may be more lost. And so this idea of awareness that these winds will come and then not to be consumed. And, 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 and to know if we are consumed that let's say, oh, I'm consumed by, by feelings of wanting, feelings of greed or feelings of craving and lost in that. Could be hours and hours of being lost on the internet, like doom surfing or something, being lost, 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 like searching, searching, searching. And then there's that, oh, I'm aware. And that observation, that awareness, that observation of any of these eight wins is, is, doesn't mean that there's not fame and it doesn't mean that there's not um, disgrace. Or, but it's like, oh, now I'm stepping back and that observation changes the nature of the whole experience. There's a knowing and awareness. And so there's this, this um, equanimity that can, uh, can also begin to arise knowing that these eight winds can come, that there can be, there can be this um, gain or loss, fame, disgrace, pleasure, pain, praise, and blame. I always had a lot of trouble with blame, I have to say, especially when it wasn't my fault. And I would personally get, that is definitely one thing I noticed through my awareness is like being blamed for something that I didn't do. And then getting lost in that as opposed to, I didn't do it. And I can be equanimical about it. I can just be strong and have resilience. And maybe it's a strong wind that blows because those who are the haters blaming me are really shouting loudly, but to know the truth. And so the truth of knowing that I wasn't to blame, the truth, it's like an absolute truth. I mean, who am I to tell people about what truth is? But this is a good example. Like I absolutely know that I wasn't to blame for something. Why would I let that consume me and suffer from that? And I think that's a good example of the worldly winds leading to equanimity if, to reside in this, this, this truth. And also to not be consumed, um, not to rebel, not to resist. Um, so also just not to also be consumed by fame. I've had moments in my life where things happen that were got notoriety. And uh, for some reason, um, I never really loved a lot of notoriety, but some people do. They can just have this ego explosion. They can, they can really take advantage of that in some ways. But this idea of, of also when, when a lot of things happen that are super positive, to also not become consumed by that. And so there's the balance of um, being with the truth. Um, it could very well be that when, if someone does get so consumed and overwhelmed by fame and, 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 and gain, that that's going to pass anyway. And when it does pass, that, that that will be a cause of suffering. And so if there's this kind of unshakable balance, this imperturbability that can arise with either, um, that's a pretty high um, bar, but that, that is a way to step out of suffering or to, to not have the causes of suffering. And this idea of what is true and not being lost or consumed. So just wanted to briefly connect this with, um, with Martin Luther King and that equanimity um, there's, they say, they've learned that there's something called the far enemy, something that is not equanimity 
is a reactive mind. That's kind of like the opposite, being very reactive, like angry, defensiveness. Uh, and then something that is misunderstood sometimes, the near enemy, is to be indifferent, uh, like pulling away from something, maybe even dismissive. Um, so this imperturbability or this balance is not being indifferent, and it's also not being overreactive. It's not being lost and consumed, it's being aware. It's this innate capacity to be present and not add fuel to the fire. So Martin Luther King, it's a quote about a message he gave to his adversaries. We will wear you down by our capacity to suffer, to face suffering and still not stop, still march, still tell the truth, still do what's necessary to make the change. And so this was a statement about facing suffering and, and wearing people down by their nonviolent uh, actions. Um, and so he was someone who was into truthfulness and Elliot mentioned that uh, he, his friendship with Thich Nhat Hanh and interestingly how <laughs> Uh, this great American was extremely influenced by Mahatma Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi and his nonviolence um, methods. Um, and this term that I've learned from yoga, satya, which means truthfulness. And then coincidentally heard um, Nancy Pelosi mention about John Lewis, who was also in, into nonviolence and obviously was, uh, uh, not obviously, but maybe some of you know is connected with Martin Luther King directly in the marches, this term of satyagraha, the someone who is a truth holder. So what is the truth? And to know that truth is a foundation of certainty and with certainty, uh, this idea of having a mightiness or a courageousness because it's, it's, it's right, it's righteous. So I'm going to read a little bit more. This is actually, I have from 1966 speech that Martin Luther King at Wesleyan University. I'll just read this um, sort of in my closing, because it's so amazing. We will match your, he's talking to his adversaries. And this is related to equanimity and truth. We will match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering will meet your physical force with soul force and to do us what you will and we will still love you. We cannot in all good conscience obey your unjust laws because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as is cooperation with good. And so throw us all in jail and as difficult as that is, we will still love you bomb our homes and threaten our children. And as difficult as it is, we will still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators and violence into our communities at night, midnight hours and drag us out on some wayside road and beat us and leave us half dead and we will still love you. But be assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. And one day we will win our freedom but will not only win freedom for ourselves, we will also appeal to your heart and your conscience that we will win you in the process and our victory will be a double victory. This is the meaning of nonviolent creed. This is the meaning of the nonviolent ethic.
So I'd wanted to share that during this, this week because it resonates with, with me very much during this incredible time and time to cultivate equanimity and joy. And um, so passing it back to Elliot. Um, thank you so much, Robert, for sharing. Definitely want to take deep breaths, allow that to land. So we have um, about 10 minutes for sharing from anyone who cares to share or comment or ask questions. So just inviting you to feel free to unmute if you'd like to share something. Some thoughts might be if there's practices that you have that bring you joy or ways which allow your equanimity. I see Heather, please. Hi. Hi. Um, thank you. I just want to say thank you for the, um, the talk. I um, Sometimes I feel like the, the universe is just trying to connect some things. Um, I really appreciated um, uh, well, all all of the, the the Dr. King quotes and everything, but I um, when you said when Robert when you said that equanimity is is not a reactive mind, but it's also not an indifferent. It's not being indifferent. Um, I was just reading. I, anyway, that was powerful. I think because I think we um, I can get that feeling of uh, like oh, I'm not supposed to get upset or I'm not supposed to be angry or, and, and I was, it, when, when I think about equanimity, but um, I was also reading this, just this morning I was reading in like um, from a book by Sharon Salzberg and, and she said something about how um, compassion, having compassion doesn't mean you don't need to fight it just means you don't hate. And I and I was sort of um, bringing those things together as just a reminder that um, there's work to be done. And um, yeah, so I just wanna thank you for sharing that today. Any other thoughts or comments or questions or sharing? I'll go until my computer stops real quick. <laughs> um, sorry about that. I, um, when you talked about visualizing the um when joy occurs what that might oh no so sorry that happened <laughs> and i'm so curious too <laughs> i want to know the rest uh well please give susan or my regards or regards anyone else i think well well uh Maybe while we're waiting for someone else, if they want to share, I, I wanted to share about a practice that I've been doing, started a few months into the stay at home. Um, and I really enjoy birds. I've done quite a bit of bird watching all over the world. And um, 
at some point, I, I, I shifted from working in an office to working remotely from home. So I was always at home. And uh, I decided at some point, I, just, I should just get a bird feeder and put a bird feeder in my yard so there'll be more birds there. And for some reason, I never thought to do that. But I, like, if I do this, it will make me happy. I'll have more joy. And so I put a bird feeder out. And um, I also bought some walnut pieces. And I discovered that blue jays love walnuts. And they'll even like, you know, hop right up to the door to get the walnuts. And so I've really experienced a lot of joy from um, having a lot of birds in my yard. And you know, I intentionally did that just by putting a bird feeder, feeder out and buying some walnuts. So it's really simple. And that's made a big impact on my, my mood and my um, happiness during the day. So that's one way I cultivate joy, one, one kind of practice that I have. Any other thoughts or comments or questions? Yay. You're, you're, I found the problem. Sorry, that's so embarrassing. So is anyone else talking? No, please, <laughs> no, please go. We wanted you to share. Yeah, so I'm so sorry. This is embarrassing. So the image that I came up, that I felt when you talked about joy opening is, you know, those time-lapse photography you see on nature shows of flowers mm -hmm. opening up? That's how it felt. Like, so if I'm not feeling joy, it's that wrapped up bud. It's tight. It's, it's you know, condensed. It's, you know, and then all of a sudden with joy, it just like opens and there's just mm -hmm. space and, and openness. That's, that's what I thought of when you mentioned that. And I just wanted to share that image and don't know if it was worth all this, but thank you. Uh, thank you. I, I love that image. That's just so wonderful. I can see that and I, I can feel that as well. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Beautiful, thank you. Um, thank you for your, for your talk and your share, um, you and Robert both. Um, your example has me think about how often I might look to greater um, gestures of, of joy that would feel to be necessary, a necessary condition for my happiness and recognizing um, one, the conditions I place on happiness and being able to gather the smaller moments of joy. Um, and so your example of the, of the birds is um, relevant to me in that, and I appreciate that. Um, and I was gonna say something else, but I forget, so sorry. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you, Julie. Um, and I love what you said. You put it, I think, you know, being able to gather the smaller moments of joy, I think, you know, myself and maybe many of us, um, you know, think it has to be so grand. But I think the, you know, that's great when that occurs. But there's also all these little moments all around us that maybe we can cultivate and just take a moment to be with. 
Um, yeah, and it, it reminds me of um, something I was reading or wanted to possibly read from the Awakening Joy book. It's by uh, James Braz and Shoshana Alexander. I'll just read this really quickly and then maybe we can go to the announcements, but um, it's like keeping perspective. So when you're going through a hard time, the suffering might feel relentless, but often there are moments when the sun peeks through the clouds. Keep in mind that everything is impermanent, including negative mind states, and notice any moments of well-being that arise. A smile when you see children playing, pleasure at tasting a favorite food, the warmth of sharing a hug with a friend, or the satisfaction of reading a good book. Don't miss these moments. You might also try gratitude practice to remind yourself of any blessings in your life. Whenever positive feelings arise in your body and mind, pause to notice and take them in. So, yeah, so thank you so much. Uh, yes, please. Um, yeah, the last quote that you read, uh, that idea has been, oh, there's a little bird pecking on the window right now. I think saying <laughs> hi to Elliot. <laughs> they're, they're flying around a lot, but they don't usually come right to the window like that. So anyway, um, I was being present. Uh, where was I? <laughs> the so, quote. Yeah, so the, what you just said, um, I, I've been going through devastating loss and uh, tremendous hardship uh, in many ways um, more recently. And um, I try and remind myself, you know, it, it is not, you know, every moment that the pain and suffering is so intense it comes in waves the clouds you know come and go the impermanence even of the, the pain and the suffering um that i'm trying to be present with uh so it doesn't you know keep escalating the suffering but there are there are moments you know this is the moment right now you know i'm smiling i'm with sangha i feel grateful for the sharing the community the connection you know um i'm here uh, alone now. Um, had a partner for almost ten years that I just lost suddenly, and uh, you know a lot has changed. Um, I have a kitty cat here who I can laugh and smile with for moments, you know. So it's yeah. So what you said, what you shared, I try and remind myself. It's it's there are these moments in between. There's some breathing space and. Um, yeah, to try and be grateful. So thank you for bringing that in. It's thank you for helpful. sharing. Yeah. Thank you. Deep breath. Hmm. Deep breath. Okay. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody. And thank you all for joining. Um, just want to transition uh, to a little closing dedicating of the merit and um, 
is just wanted to offer one before one simple practice I've learned is through just noticing the state of, of my eyes. If I pay attention to my eyes every now and then, are my, are my brows furrowed? That I'm in a state of kind of like contraction? Because it usually relates that that it's kind of like facial yoga that can like signal the mind state and even the rest of the body. Or am I, can I then cultivate curiosity and wonder and some kind of release and be more present with my eyes wide open? And uh, it's hard to have your eyes wide open and frown. It seems like nature made us, made us so that our face and our, our, this kind of facial yoga can actually cultivate positive or you know, un, unpleasant. So this idea of smiling with the eyes wide open, it's hard to smile with the eyes frowned. So just checking into the eyes and both just to see what kind of state we're in at any moment that we might be able to step out and cultivate um, greater awareness, equanimity, joy. And so if you care to join me to um, in this dedication of the merit, inviting you to close your eyes or just gaze somewhere in front of you. Perhaps taking a few deep breaths, breathing in, slowly breathing out. And so dedicating the merit of this community gathering that may any wisdom and goodness that has arisen from our meeting. We take that with us as we move about our day and that it may spread to others and then on to others in all directions. So may we all be happy, healthy in mind and body, be safe, cultivate joy, care for ourselves joyfully. May we all be happy, healthy, safe, and have peace. Thank you all. Thank you, everyone. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.